0: Welcome, everybody, back to another edition of Take the Hill, which is a leadership podcast dedicated to illuminating the human experience of leadership. So we are excited to have a special guest who we're going to be introducing here shortly today. But Dennis Angelo, welcome back.
1: Good morning. Good morning.
0: Fantastic. Great to have you here. So excellent. So in her latest book, uh, Margaret Wheatley wrote that, you know, several important questions are being asked of leaders today. Uh, Prominent pretty much these focuses around, you know, who do you choose to be for this period of time? You know, are you willing to use whatever power and influence that you have to create, you know, islands that evoke and rely upon best human qualities to create, relate and persevere? And she further writes that leadership is an unshakable faith in people's capacity to be generous with their time, creative and kind. And it's this commitment that create the conditions for these capacities to blossom. And in that deep knowing that even within our most dire circumstances, more becomes possible as we engage others together with compassion, as we kind of find our way forward. And from my perspective, our guest today has created a community that evokes our best human qualities to not only create, but develop relationships as a community and also persevere. So it is our pleasure to welcome to the show today, Dr. Paul Hennigan. Thank you, Paul, for being here.
2: Yeah,
3: thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation.
0: Well, it's fantastic. And we look forward to the conversation with you today. And for those of you who listeners have had not the opportunity to meet Paul, you know, he is the current president of Point Park University Uh, which he joined in the early 2000s, beginning as the vice president for finance and operations. Prior to Point Park, uh, Dr. Hennigan was the chief financial officer for the city of Pittsburgh uh, from 1994 to 1999, where you reported directly to the mayor and you were responsible for the development and the execution of the city's operating capital budgets as well as short-term and long-term financing. You hold a bachelor of arts degree Political Science from Edinburgh University, which is also my alma mater, a master's of public administration from the University of Pittsburgh's Graduate School of Public and International Affairs, and a doctorate in education degree from the University of Pennsylvania. Hopefully we got that correct. You did. Fantastic. So we're going to jump in kind of where we start with all of our guests, and we want to begin by asking you, you what does leadership mean to you?
3: Well, leadership is a very important responsibility. And for me, I have a very simple definition. Uh, most of my life is pretty simple. And my simple definition of leadership is the ability to inspire and motivate a group of people to go from point A to point B. And it's just that simple. And um, when, when I uh, sometimes visit um, graduate-level classes and I ask, what does leadership mean to you? Uh, often I will get students who will talk about attributes of leadership and qualities of leadership, but um, are a little short on a, on a definition. And so for me, it's a pretty straightforward, simple definition, the ability to inspire and motivate a group of people to go from point A to point B.
2: Well, thank you, Dr. Hannigan. Again, I want to welcome you and thank you for uh, your time and uh, for being on our show. But uh, I want to ask the question, as you, reflect upon your professional journey, would you share some significant moments to help define the leader you have become? Um, I, <laughs>
3: there have been a lot of significant moments. As a matter of fact, now that I'm uh, nearing the end of my time as president, I find myself going through a lot of flashbacks, which is interesting because I haven't had that experience in my life. And all of a sudden I'll have this image um, one thing I will say, and, you know, I, I was fortunate early in my career, uh, not long after my master's degree in my late 20s, I uh, was working as a senior level staff person to a group of executives, and that was my first exposure uh, to seeing uh, firsthand leadership and, and learning about leadership. I had learned about leadership in the classroom as an undergraduate, I'd learned about leadership in graduate school, but to actually watch leaders at work, make decisions, participate in discussions, uh, do presentations, make speeches, show up at events, to watch leaders at work over the course of my career has been the best learning for me. And I would encourage, Any person who aspires to uh, a role in leadership to pay very close attention to all of the leaders that you interact with or you watch on TV, because you can learn a lot good things and bad things. And for me, uh, as I thought about this, um, I've kind of put together uh, a list of attributes that I've learned and have tried really hard um, to embrace and make a part of who I am as a leader. Um, One is integrity. And for me, that just means say what you mean and mean what you say and be very, very clear. Just don't go around in circles. Um, Truth and honesty are very important. Um, You never have to weave any webs and you never have to look over your shoulder wondering what you said. I've seen so many leaders get twisted in circles about things that they said that weren't necessarily true um, or honest, and it just, it doesn't work. Um, So those two, integrity, truth, and honesty. Um, I'm also a a big facts and data guy. Um, Patrick mentioned at the beginning, I was a CFO for the city of Pittsburgh and also here at Point Park before I became president. Facts and data are critically important for leaders to make good decisions. And I have found that by gathering the facts and using the data, it helps to pave the way for better decisions. Um, I've already mentioned simplicity. I had a boss who was a great leader uh, in my late 20s. And he used to say all the time, keep it simple. And he was right. And you you don't have to show everybody how much you know. it's, it's desirable not to show everybody how much you know, because then people get really bored really quickly. Um, but keep it simple. People, people can understand simple concepts and uh, leaders who have the ability to take complex issues and boil them down into their simplest components are the ones that are generally able to inspire and motivate people to follow. Uh, teamwork is also very important. Um, And I know that sounds trite. But as leaders, we are the sum of our parts. And the higher uh, a person rises in any organization, the more so that is true, because you just can't keep your finger on everything. And so you have to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and you have to be confident enough to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. We are the sum of our parts. And then finally, uh, and I think Patrick, you mentioned this at the beginning, compassion and empathy are really important. Leaders have to treat people with respect and leaders need to treat people the way they want to be treated. So for me, it's just a basic set of principles that I have followed my entire career.
0: I Thank
2: think- you. I, you know, I, I, that One response simplistic really speaks to me because in my prior life, before I got into education and I was a maintenance man, it was, I always had a, it was hilarious. People when I was training somebody in how to fix machinery or do something, they would always start with the most complicated thing instead of uh, I would say, did you check to see if the start button works? Or <laughs> there's power, you know? And, and they said, no, I, they would dig into this big complicated uh, issue. And here it was just a simple solution. Uh, to a problem. So I appreciate that. Um, And it's so true with leadership as well.
0: Yeah, that's such a, you're right. And and like you said, the the more that you move up, and I'll just use the word the chain of command, so to speak, in more successively responsible positions, it's that idea where you don't have to use big words, or these big complex ideas, because at the end of the day, as you mentioned, Dr. Anigan. Sometimes the simplest explanations or the directives are the clearest and the easiest to follow. uh, And it keeps individuals moving forward. So my one quick follow-up question that you mentioned is, how how do you, as an individual, or what would you tell our students to be the best path to develop the courage to kind of always act with integrity or describe a situation as it is, rather than trying to you know, either lie or, or kind of get into the gray areas?
3: That's a really good question. Courage is tough to develop. And for me, it was watching other leaders make bad mistakes and seeing the negative effect and the negative impact that it had on those leaders. And I can remember early in my career seeing that. Uh, you know, I worked um, in a political environment, this was even before the city. And um, I saw a lot of leaders make decisions based on political calculations, instead of based on integrity or data and facts. And I watched those leaders make bad decisions and then get slapped around or twist in the wind. And I can remember as a young, you know, young man and early in my career, thinking how painful that was for the leader And if the leader had simply had the courage to do the right thing, make the right decision from the beginning, instead of all this political nuance and political calculation, the leader would not have got slapped around as badly. And and so that for me is what formed the basis of my courage to make the best decisions possible, even the difficult ones. Uh, People will generally respect a good decision, a painful decision, if it's the right decision. Uh, But they won't respect um, bad decisions that that are made uh, for the wrong reasons.
0: Thank you for that follow-up question there. So since we're kind of in this neighborhood, um, what was one of your most challenging leadership moments? (laughs) (laughs) I promise an easy question after this.
3: (laughs) right, I should write a book on this. I'm going to use an example from Point Park. So it was early uh, in my presidency. I've been president now for 15 years. So it was early in my presidency. I was a young man. I became president when I was 44 years old. And um, we had a board member who was bigger than life. He had a PhD in nuclear physics. He was a very generous donor to the university. Um, and he was the smartest person in the room, no doubt about it, and he made sure that everybody knew he was the smartest person in the room, and so um, we, this was early, this was probably um, around 2007 or so, and we were just developing the concept for the academic village at Point Park University, which has become this Five block uh, living learning community in downtown Pittsburgh. And for some reason, this board member was adamant that he wanted a pedestrian bridge across the Boulevard of the Allies from what is our Lawrence Hall over to what is now um, the the, uh, Village Park. And he was adamant about it, absolutely adamant about it. And he thought it was He thought it would be cute for students to be able to walk in their slippers from Lawrence Hall across the street and and take classes on the other side of the Boulevard, which we were just beginning to develop. And I had explained to him on numerous occasions, he chaired the facilities committee of the board. I had explained to him on numerous occasions that I didn't agree with a pedestrian bridge and I would never support a a pedestrian bridge. We were embracing um, the urban streetscape, the whole uh, body of knowledge about um, revitalizing cities and how you want pedestrians on sidewalks. You don't want them inside buildings. We had embraced a design principle that we use to this day, which is large first floor windows to show uh, folks what's going on inside the buildings to share the energy of the university with the street. So it's, it's all about the urban streetscape and putting the energy on the sidewalks as opposed to um, pedestrian bridges. And we had had this debate for probably a half a year. So we were in a board meeting, one of our quarterly board meetings, and this uh, board member decided to put it on the table. Uh, without my knowledge. Uh, And I call that an ambush. So I was sitting in the board meeting and here was this board member um, pontificating with the full board. And I didn't know it about his advocacy for a pedestrian bridge across the boulevard. And I was sitting there stunned that this person would do that at a board meeting a complete ambush at a board meeting and this is all happening in real time and there's a million thoughts going through my head what do I do how do I handle this and I knew that I had to address the issue because there was just no way that I could allow the board to head down this path that we as a university were not gonna support and that I did not support. And I knew I had to do it very respectfully. So he went on and on and on. And, and um, I said, thank you very much. I have to speak and I need to be candid and honest. And I will let you know that here are the reasons why I cannot support a pedestrian bridge across the Boulevard of the Allies. That took a lot of courage, but I knew it was the right thing to do because it just, it wasn't gonna be good for the school. We were gonna get into a battle with the city of Pittsburgh that did not want a pedestrian bridge across the Boulevard of the Allies. And I just, I said what I had to say succinctly and respectfully, and then he demanded a vote. (laughs) And um, he lost, Uh, it was two to one. And um, that was a really uh, intense moment in my career as uh, a a new president, a new college president. Um, I asked him out to lunch. A couple weeks later, we went out to lunch. As we were leaving the restaurant, he put his arm, he's an older man, he put his arm around me and said, You're the boss. I'm getting in line and following you. So, and the relationship was great from that point on, but boy, I'll tell you, that was a really, really tense moment for me in a board meeting in front of 40 people.
1: Dr. Hannigan, that's a, an amazing experience to share with us and our listeners, and I appreciate you doing that. It's always cool to learn uh, kind of inside the four walls what happens sometimes with leaders, especially, you know, I appreciate it being part of the Point Park community and, and just kind of seeing how it goes. Uh, the, the guys here on the show, they do bring me on, though, to ask the really tough questions, and I'm totally fine with embracing that role. So, Dr. Hannigan, if you had to pick a song or a band that you listen to uh, when you need some energy or motivation... What would it be
3: oh you know what there i i like so much music and i like um a, a wide span of music so i'm a rock and roll guy from from high school um and i could just go on and on and list the rock and roll bands that i listen to um i also like uh the british rock that came over to the united states in the 1980s i'm a big fan i still listen to all of that so I could probably list, I don't know, 10 to 20. Um, I don't have a one go-to. But I will tell you that um, when I'm looking for inspiration or even sometimes motivation, quiet reflection is, is key for me. Um, yeah, I, I'm more of a quiet, uh, pensive somewhat introverted, believe it or not, somewhat introverted. My um, Myers-Briggs shows up introversion. Um, but yeah, I don't rely on music for, for motivation and inspiration. I, I rely on music for enjoyment.
1: What When you're in those introspective moments of reflection, what are, I'm sure it's dependent on what you've gone through in that day, or maybe the climate you're currently in, but I mean, what, what do you focus on in those moments or how do you take your life that seems to be on the surface, very hectic and all over the place? How do you then reel that back in and, and, and just kind of be calm with yourself in that moment?
3: Um, yeah, it depends on what the issue is, but, um, I try to sort things out. I'm, I'm a sorter. My, my mind works like a spreadsheet. Um, so I'm putting everything in columns, rows and columns and sorting things out, and trying to do the analysis in my mind, Um, I also write. So when I need to, um, when it's all swirling around in my head, um, it it sometimes um, it it will bug me till the end of time. And so what I've learned is to sit down and write it out. And when I write it out and I get it out of here, it clears the head. And then I'm not ruminating anymore or perseverating anymore. Um, So for me, writing is very, very helpful, getting it out of my head and on paper, because then it helps me do a better job of organizing. When it's in my head and I'm just swirling around and ruminating, then I can't sleep and I can't focus on anything else. When I get it on paper, then I know it's on paper. Then when I'm done, I'll go listen to Bruce Springsteen, U2. Depeche mode. That's
2: awesome
0: because we weren't going to let you off the hook that easily. (laughs) (laughs) I got it all.
2: (laughs) Fantastic. Well, that kind of helps me because uh, sometimes I have things going through my head and I never really thought about just writing it down and get it out of there. But uh, I'm going to try that. Well, it was a tip that that I learned years ago
3: and I've done it ever since. And I pass it on to as many people as I can. Uh, My wife, my children, um, same thing quit swirling, <clears throat> just write it down. It does help. It helps clear the head.
2: That's that's interesting. You know, y'all, you brought up another uh, thing that was kind of interesting to me that you're an introvert. And and I teach a course that, uh, you know, most people think introverts can, they don't make good leaders. And, and I've tried to teach this in the contrary, that, that introverts are very good leaders, actually. And, uh, and but I find that you said that you, when you were meeting with that one board member, you had to find the courage. So as an introvert that, 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 that had to be hard to get that courage to, to, uh, challenge them or to, uh, speak your piece. But, you know, in asking another question, what, what other skill sets become value valuable as you take on increasingly challenging leadership roles?
3: I would say that, um, in addition to the, to, to the courage, the ability to push oneself forward. And that's what helps me to overcome my introversion. So um, I can walk into a reception with 50 people and feel incredibly uncomfortable about having to work the room as a leader, but I force myself to do my job and work the room as a leader. And when I'm finished, I usually feel a lot better because I did my job. But when I walk in and you know, I, there's 50 people and I know I've got to work the room, I get the butterflies. When I have to walk in front of a thousand people and give a speech or a presentation, whatever it may be, always have the butterflies. Oh, and I think to myself, quietly, wherever I am, why do I put myself in these places? Like, why do I do this? Because I get the same feeling all the time. And I just force myself. I have to push myself. So the skill, the developed skill of pushing oneself, and I mean really pushing oneself, I have to just find it within me to push myself into that room or onto the stage and do what I need to do.
2: And, you know, that brings up another uh, idea that, uh, the complete opposite for extroverts. Maybe they need to take the time and push themselves to maybe slow down a little bit and not 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 be uh, so. How do you want to put it? Uh,
3: Gregarious.
2: Or, yeah, and, and so we we could use that for both sides. So that that's interesting. Yeah,
3: yeah. I uh, you know I enjoy watching extroverts sometimes. Um, you know, as long as they have a good balance and you know they've got a good compass. But I, I'm amazed when I watch extroverts work a room and, you know, the life of the party and a million stories and, you know, everybody's slapping everybody on the back. I'm amazed at that. That's that. It's not me. It's never been me. <laughs> um, it's just, and it, it probably never will be me. But um, it, introverts can be good leaders.
0: And I think that's an important fact, because like you said, in the world, you know, there's, there's introverts and extroverts, and it's really seeking that balance. But I think at the end of the day, like you said, if you are a little bit more of a reserved or introverted type individual, it's not going to preclude you or limit your ability to move into leadership roles. And like you said, I think you're a testament to that. And you could see that being exemplified in just the words that you've spoken, as well as your actions within the community. So, Thank you.
1: And one last thing on that topic as well. I, I think it's good to have that kind of dynamic in a leader because not everybody who you lead is going to be an extrovert, right? There may be some who are introverted as well. And so um, having somebody who can you know, relate to that experience as well might bring a team together. Uh, but Dr. Hennigan, uh, I'm I'm really excited to ask you this question. It revolves around change. And I feel like change is something I personally had to teach myself to be okay with um, after graduating from my undergrad and moving into my professional career and that feeling still feels so fresh to me now that I am working with students who not too, they're in the same place I was not too long ago so um, I, I do see a lot of students worry about change whether it is the change of becoming a young adult entering college or in like the blink of an eye flash forward four years they're then changing again to graduating and becoming a young professional lots of change right so you Dr. Hennigan, are now entering a new phase and chapter of your own life. How are you feeling about all this change? And what advice would you give to students on approaching the inevitable changes they too will experience throughout life?
3: Yeah, uh, good question. So um, all of the research shows that the overwhelming majority of people uh, do not like change, would, would prefer to avoid change. And that is because of the uncertainty on the other side of the change. And um, there's, there's a, an attribute in management and leadership known as dealing with ambiguity. And effective managers and effective leaders need to learn how to deal with ambiguity. It's an enormously difficult thing to do. Um, it's something that I've learned how to do and I've had to learn how to do, dealing with ambiguity. Um, and again, it's just great breaking things down into their simple pieces, and then putting the puzzle together is how I've learned how to deal with ambiguity. So um, change has not been something that's been terribly difficult for me to deal with over the course of my life. Um, You know, I had, you know, a tough childhood, a single parent family and a poor child, so a poor childhood. So, you know, I was just You know, I I just I was happy with what little I had, and you know, it it didn't matter whose house I was at for dinner. You know, I I was getting dinner. That was a good thing. So, you know, I've had a lot of change in my life, and um, where we are right now, this is a big big change in my life. I've been a um, an executive now for 26 years, and uh, for 26 years, what you know, number of jobs, but nonetheless, at the executive level. Uh, for 26 years, I've always woken up and known what I was going to do. And now, at age 60, I'm going to wake up and not know what I'm going to do. <laughs> so, on the one hand, it's liberating. On the other hand, it's a little scary. Um, the good news is I have a good support system. I've been married for 30 years. We have two adult children. Um, so the the pressure to pro- provide for family is not there like it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, It is a little bit liberating to think that, you know, I will wake up someday and and not have a schedule and be able to develop my own schedule, whatever that ends up being. Um, So we're looking forward to it. What I would say to students is um, the cliche, change is inevitable. So learn how to embrace it. And the best way to embrace it is to wake up every day with a sense of purpose and a sense of direction don't lay around in bed getting paralyzed by the ambiguity um, it's a messy world unfortunately but that's not going to change and um just get out there you know the the skill that i talked about pushing oneself forward push oneself forward um, and, 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 and don't be afraid of change. And do it incrementally too. You can break change down into incremental steps. You don't have to go from A to Z in a day. You can go from A to Z in 26 days or whatever, however long you wanna take. But the mental process of working through the increments, that lead one to a place called change, that incremental approach has, um, I think, is a way to help students embrace change.
2: On a, on a lighter note, Dr. Hennigan, I guess I'm just curious. What's next? Um, <laughs> uh, fishing, camping, yeah. uh, maybe another career, teaching?
3: Well, um, I, you know, I, I really do not know. Um, I. Uh, <laughs> There's a part of me that thinks I should be focused on that right now, but we are managing through a crisis right now, as everybody is. And the the responsibility of doing that has been so significant for all of us since March that I just have not allowed myself the the luxury or the benefit to think beyond um, the current position when when my mind starts to go there I get distracted and I can't be distracted right now. so um, I do have a consulting contract with the university with Point Park University uh, because there are some big projects that they would like for me to get through and finish rather than dumping on to a new president so, that's, that's a nice thing to know in the back of my mind that I do have something to do the day after I'm not president is I do have certain defined responsibilities, certain projects that need to be finished that it's just not worth dumping on a new president as I say. And then beyond that, um, uh, we'll just see where it goes. It could be consulting. I don't think I'm gonna run to another CEO position anytime soon. Uh, it'd be nice not to have that level of responsibility for a while, and I've often joked uh, that I'd be happy selling ice cream on the beach, and and I think I would be.
0: <laughs> I love that. And so, what type of ice cream, by the way? <laughs>
3: <laughs> All kinds perfect the the more the better
0: (laughs) all right we're not going to make you narrow that down (laughs) so i agree with that You, you said something was particularly interesting that i think is also very beneficial to our students in terms of not necessarily also purpose and direction with each day but that incremental steps like you said it doesn't have to be a to z in you know one or two days how how do you measure success in terms of those smaller steps what advice could you give to our students that would, I guess, allow them to be okay with, okay, I'm only going to do step A and B today?
3: Yeah. So um, let's just use a real example here to Angelo's earlier uh, point. Let's imagine we're seniors in college. We're going to graduate in three months. That's pretty scary. Uh, That's a big change, a lot of uncertainty. So, the incremental approach to that would be, here are, the, here are the things that I need to do to pass my five courses. I've got to follow the syllabus. I've got to complete my assignments and, and take pride in those incremental steps along the way. I also have to get my resume together. I've got to go to the Career Center and learn how to do interviews. I've got to be on LinkedIn, I've got to be doing... So list out all the incremental steps, ideally in some kind of chronological order, so that as you achieve those incremental steps, you can take pride in those little achievements. And then it's the little achievements day after day after day that will add up to the big achievement of graduating going on job interviews, uh, getting the job. I really, helping students to break it into pieces and to to appreciate the accomplishment of the pieces instead of focusing on, I have to have my job by June or, you know, like that's a big thing. But there's a million pieces between now and getting the job in June that are worth celebrating. And it also builds confidence. By taking that incremental approach and seeing the achievement of of each increment, each piece, um, it helps to build confidence.
0: Yeah, and I love that both the confidence and seeing that progress is so important, especially today, just because of the amount of distractions and information and pressure and stress and anxiety our students are kind of experiencing. It's uh, it's something that I think they need to keep in the back of their minds. so as you reflect back, we're gonna give you maybe one more difficult question here. And that is, you know, as you think about your time with Point Park, you know, what's going to be one of your most cherished
3: memories? That is a difficult question because there are many, 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 many. Um, you know, um, the, the cooperative education program for our students is a good memory, the academic village. Um, but I think that the, the best memory that I have Uh, walking away from the university will be the emerging leaders that we have throughout the university right now. When I started working at Point Park 20 years ago as vice president for finance and operations, we had no bench strength. We, We just didn't have strong leaders throughout the university. And what we have now is this emerging group of leaders across the board who have vision and have passion for what they're doing. And Patrick, you're a great example. You're one of our emerging leaders. Look at all the things you've done in the past 10 years with the school business. Look at what you're doing today. What you're doing today is your vision and it's your passion. So all of these emerging leaders, and Angelo's is going to be one of them, All these emerging leaders with vision and passion doing their thing is very organic at Point Park. And that organic leadership is what's giving the university the character that it has today. Our job, my job at the senior level is to guide, to nurture and keep people within the lanes. And, and just let folks go you know and and that to me is is quite a joy to wa- I love watching these emerging leaders and and to watch your work and how you've developed and, and grown as a leader and the business dean same thing he's done an else I mean I could just go on and on with all these emerging leaders university and that's the 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 approach that we've taken is to embrace that encourage it embrace it promote it nurture it support it um instead of shooting it down and as a result of that look at what we got i mean we have a university now that's just doing amazing things uh great creativity Um, so that that's probably going to be my biggest best memory is the fact that we were able to nurture so many emerging leaders.
0: Well, I certainly want to thank you for those compliments. They're certainly humbling. And, um, you know, as you described, working in a culture and an environment where the community is, is given the ability to, as you said, kind of organically chase their vision, their passion, you know, with a very clear vision of where we want to go established by yourself and your direction um, is, is absolutely refreshing. And I think that's kind of the goal of, of a lot of organizations. Uh, because, like you said, it's it's difficult to build that environment, and I think under your leadership, we've been able to to achieve you know, that particular type of culture. And you know, it's you know, I can speak you know, at least for myself in saying that you know, it's certainly refreshing to be a part of you know that type of environment
3: and under that leadership. Well, that's great, and you know, the work that the Success Center is doing. I mean, the Success awesome. Center is just blossoming incredibly, and it's because there's a wonderful group of people there that have a vision for what they want to do, have a vision for how they want to serve students. They're passionate about it and they're pursuing their destiny. Yeah, so, and
0: absolutely. And like I said, I, I will agree with you 100% in, in our relationship with Angelo over the last few years. Like you said, it, we took that same approach of, you know, here's our vision and Angelo has just stepped up his game you know, and Molly and the rest of his team are just awesome in what they do for students. Uh, And that's part of the reason why we have him in the classroom and and those guys so integrated with our students, uh, just because of the amazing work they do. And I'm so uh,
3: proud of that group. Angelo, you're the group you're working. I'm just so proud of what you're doing. Um, You know, when we first came up with that concept, um, I don't know when that 10 years ago or so, you know, it wasn't the most widely supported concept here at the university. I can tell you that. I still have the scars on that one. But look at what it's done for students. Yeah. And look I, at what it's done for the
0: university. It's amazing. And I remember some of those earlier conversations and some of the back and forth. And you know, where should it be and how should it be developed? And what, you know, philosophically, what does it mean? And and yeah, to where it's at today is is just amazing. And you've seen that replicated. Through a lot of their initiatives and the projects either whether it's you know extending the downtown presence to across the board and within our academic programs and schools it, it's just uh i always say i've never had a bad day at work and i know it's cliche there's some hard days but the the family and the community that is there it's just amazing to be a part of because you know you'll you'll you have an idea you have the freedom to go chase it and pursue it within that larger vision which is amazing so Angelo, uh, we're gonna put you on the spot. Final thoughts or questions for Yeah, well, for Dr. first Hennigan.
1: of all, Dr. Hennigan, thank you for being on the show. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I haven't had a lot of interaction with you with my short time at Point Park, but um, you know, I have big goals and dreams. I look up to people like you in your position, like Patrick, like Dennis, and, and I hope that I can emulate the kind of leadership that you guys all present. Um, the other thing that I just, it's almost a comment. Um, as Patrick mentioned, I do teach a section of the career prep class in the School of Business and I'm really, really trying to leverage technology in the class uh, and have students do a lot of video kind of submissions so I can see them, so we feel connected. A lot of the students are telling me that um, their strongest leadership um, skill sets or characteristics are that when they start something, they also finish it. And I felt that multiple times listening to you speak about your experience as a leader throughout your couple decades in those different roles and the thing that I think I'm going to carry with me out of this conversation the most—it really, even in this moment, is hitting me—is when Dennis asked you what you're going to do, like what's next after this. You're not there yet. Like you're—the job isn't done, uh, and and we're in a really crazy time too, you know. Um, and and I bet you, even if it was like a standard time without COVID, you probably wouldn't be given, you know, any thought to what's next until you're done. I got a lot of respect for that. I mean. People get senioritis, right, right at the end, and they just give up, and you're not. So if any students are listening, that's the takeaway that I'm going to have here is to finish what you started, even at the president level. I got a lot of respect for you, Dr. Hennigan. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you, Angela. Appreciate that. And Dr. Hennigan, you know, I've, uh, I've been associated with uh, Point Park 13 years, and, and uh, I got to say that I've never had a bad moment there. Um, but uh, as, a, as an adjunct, and, but I'm very, I'm happy you said something that you said, and I've known Patrick for quite some time. We did our doctorate together and uh, his leadership abilities are just uh, amazing. He doesn't listen to me. Maybe he's going to listen to you. Um, but I appreciate that you said how, you know, just his qualities and he has, a, I'm like you, I'm ending, I'm coming to the end of my career uh, maybe not to the end, but, um, I'm on the tell end of it all. And, uh, I appreciate, um, Patrick's ability to do the things that he does and he needs encouragement to, uh, stick with it. And I think he's going to be a great leader and be a great asset for Point Park. So I'm glad that you brought that up and, and put that out there. And, but also, you know, I got to. you were talking about, uh, Patrick and Angelo and but you know, that that says a lot about your leadership, uh, how you're willing to give credit where credit is due. Some leaders are afraid to do that. And uh, I found when I was running schools, I was running a lot of for-profit schools back in the day and at top positions and and I had people always tell me, oh, you do such a great job. I said, I don't do anything. It's the people under me that do everything to make me look good. And you know, my people appreciated that and I'm sure they appreciate what you what you're saying. But, you know, you also allowed these individuals to, in order for them to become leaders, you allowed them to develop under your leadership and you gave them the uh, ability to, uh, to use or to um, uh, present ideas and to execute them. So that says a lot about your leadership and I appreciate that as well. And uh, so... Again, thank I, thank, I thank you for coming on the show and sharing all your experiences. And and I'm sure that uh, a lot of individuals are going to, I, I'm going to start writing things down. I'm going to try that. I know it's going to work. Going Let to me know. Full of something. Yeah. <laughs> but again, thank you. and Thank you. I appreciate you.
0: it. Yeah And Dr. Anna thank you again today for sharing your reflections on leadership with us. Um, like I said, they will no doubt provide insight and inspiration for years to come You know, as we we share this with not only our audience of listeners, but we integrate this into our classroom uh, for the students to watch. So I also want to personally thank you uh, for sharing your perspective with me over the years, uh, as I know they were instrumental in both my academic and professional development. Um, And we at the team here at Take the Hill want to wish you, your wife, Colleen, and your family all the very best in whatever adventures are waiting over the horizon.
3: So thank you being here today. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. And uh, maybe someday we'll have some ice cream on the beach.
0: (laughs) I look forward to it. Absolutely. So we're we're going to hold you to that. (laughs) Very good to be with all of you. And thank
3: you for the good work that you're doing. Thank you.
0: So listeners, everyone, thank you for being here today with Dr. Hennigan. And, you know, as we begin to wrap up our time, you know, my final thoughts really are that the truth is, you know, it's not where you begin your adventure. You know, it's simply that you have the courage to take that first step. And you may not go where you are intended to go, uh, but I'm willing to bet that you're going to end up where you intended to be, you know, so rise up, you know, find your pathway forward and live the life of your dreams. So
3: until next time, thank you, everybody.